so we have a really exciting episode today that I'm just super pumped for. Christian, how do you feel about it? Oh, it's great. It's it's like every early Christian, I think this is their first shocker when they start reading the scriptures. They begin to realize this as soon as they read the scriptures. I mean, I would probably go down the, the route of second shocker because then when I first started reading the Bible, um, I was like, wow, the first shocker was, wow, I'm bad. <laughs> and that's what we're kind of talking about today too a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but so today's topic is specifically um, we're talking about the great heroes of the faith and the correct way to view them when reading scripture, when interpreting scripture, um, proper exegesis, exegesis of scripture. Um, so this is going to be more of that route than theology, but theology is going to play a huge role in how we view these characters and ourselves. Because, like, when God uses these characters in the Bible to illustrate his messages and his points, he's showing every aspect about them, right? He's not just showing their good side. He's showing their bad side as well. Because in all reality, that's what every human is. Like, there is a real sin nature that every human has. Yeah, and I would say, too, like, everything good they do is because God. Like, they're not great because they, you know, mustered something up inside of them to make them great. They're great because God made them great. God worked through them. Um, and so, really, ultimately, um, when we see these great heroes of the faith fail, that's where Christ fulfills. Mm. Um, these these men who could have been, you know, like David, he could have been a great king, right? And he was a, he was a great king. Not like he wasn't, but he was a sinner. And because of that, um, you know, he, he, he has to get a punishment for his sin. Exactly. But Christ paid the punishment for his sin and is the ultimate king. Exactly. Right? And we see Moses, right? Jesus is the ultimate, you know, or greater Moses. Exactly. He fulfills those roles perfectly where those men failed. Exactly. Like, the key theme is that God will always remain faithful even when we are completely and utterly faithless. Like, whenever we read these biblical stories, if there's any good attribute that's being displayed, we shouldn't look at that and say, oh, that's me. No, chances are you're probably the bad guy in the story. Chances are is you're probably the one that's the weaker vessel, and God's probably the one that's the stronger vessel, and he's the one that's having his will done throughout any situation that's given throughout the Scripture. Yeah, and I'd push on that a little bit more, too, or, or, or add on to that, saying, like, and the good you see in them, don't even credit it to them. Exactly. Credit it to God, because he's the one who's great. They're not great. And I think, like... Ultimately, that, that's the that's the problem with our, you know, hermeneutic when reading Old Testament is we look at these men and we're like, we give them the praise and the honor and glory that God deserves um, because we think that these men are great, but men are not great. Exactly. Um, there's a quote that I, that I love, um, you know, there are no great men of God. <laughs> wow. Just a great God of men. Wow. I like the first part. And then you hit me with that second part. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There's only one great God. So... We've talked a lot about how much we are evil. That was a weird way to say that. Hey, we're, we are. I mean, <laughs> we're not sugarcoating it. You know, we're we're Just very throw it out there. we're very very much evil. Like that that's that's intrinsically who we are. And before we begin talking about these characters of the faith we're referring to, I think it's really important that we discuss the first character ever introduced into the Bible, the first man, Adam. And so when God creates the Garden of Eden, let's hop all the way back to Genesis, the beginning. 
God creates this beautiful, wonderful paradise for humans to enjoy, for Adam to enjoy. And so what happens? Well, Adam is placed in the garden. He is representing all of man at that moment. And what happens is that he's presented with two choices. Continued life, eternal life, with God, walking with God, the living God in the Garden of Eden continuously forever. Or he can choose his own way. He can choose to follow his own will. And so what does, what does Adam do? What, what's his ultimate choice? Well, he does what every single human would have done in that choice. He chooses his own will. He decides that he doesn't want to follow God's path. He wants to follow his own path. Thus, he eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and hopes to be like God. Yeah, he and, made the, the ultimate oopsie. Exactly. And I think if you really think about this, this is the problem that we take in this like Sunday school method hermeneutic where we're trying to make ourselves like the good attributes of God, right? Where we want to see ourselves as good. We don't want to see ourselves as bad. But that's exactly what the first human did, is he wanted to see himself as good. He wanted to see himself as ultimately God, and he made his own choice. And so what happens is, is God has to say, okay, you guys blew it. You made a huge mistake. But even from their sin, God redeems it. He says in Genesis 3.15 that even though the serpent who tempted Adam to do this sin, even though he had bruised Adam's heel, they had bruised man's heel, that the man was still going to be able to crush the serpent. Now, obviously, in that text, he's referring to Jesus Christ, who's ultimately going to do that. But we see where sin nature is ultimately put into place and where we see where our evilness comes from and our desire to do our own will and not God's will. Yeah, um, I love the point that you, you hit on um, was that, you know, Adam, is, he, makes the, he makes the bad choice. And ultimately, we all would have done that. And I think a lot of times we look at Adam and we're like, dang, like I said, Adam made, you know, made the ultimate mistake. Um, and we look at him and we're like, dang, Adam really messed up. Mm. We look at him like the, he's this guy who just is totally different than like every other human who would have been in that situation. Like every human looks at Adam and says, why did he do that? He's so dumb. I'm like, you would have done that too. Exactly. Like, what are you talking about? Exactly. You're, you're just as bad as he is. Um, and so, that, you know, that really like fires me up when people look at Adam and like, like, you know, that's, that's what he gets. Um, no, but like, honestly, like, that's not how you should view Adam. You should view Adam and say, I would have done that too. But look at God's faithfulness mm. after he ate that. God came into the garden graciously too. Mm. Like, he didn't come in there like, he was like, hey, Adam, death. You know, yes. like, that's what he deserved, like, to die on the spot. But God came in and said, Adam, where are you at? Exactly. Why are you covering yourself? You know, who told you that you were naked? You know, he came in this this gracious, loving way, and he gave him a lesser punishment than they deserved. You talked about how Adam was our is our representative. Um, Christ now ultimately fulfills, uh, I would say, the Christian's head representative um, as, as our representative, as I just said. Christ is our representative. Exactly. And, and Adam is no longer our, our, our representative because if we were in Adam and Adam was our representative, we would be damned to hell. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, we would, we'd be damned to hell. Yes, we, we would suffer eternal punishment. If, like, we were still under the curse of Adam, we're, we're in eternal damnation. 
but God. Yeah. Rich in mercy, rich in favor, decided to redeem that situation and say, no, I'm not done with you. I'm going to provide a savior. And so that catapults us right into the biblical narrative where we see the covenant begins at the Garden of Eden and then it continues all throughout the scriptural narrative. But just like how like gracious is God to say this, this is Adam and you know, you're in Adam and this is your nature as you're born, hating me, rebelling against me, not even seeking for me as Romans says, and says, I'm going to send my son Mm. to, to die for you and be your representative now and fulfill every, 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 place that Adam could not fulfill. Mm. And everywhere you mess up, Christ is ultimately going to take that ultimately take that onto himself because of God's faithfulness. Exactly. And that's exactly what we see in every single character we're going to talk about. And so to begin, the first character, one of the great heroes of faith, as talked about in Hebrews, was Abraham. In Hebrews? Hebrews? Yeah, it was Hebrews, like the great heroes of faith. Oh, right? oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it starts in Genesis, but like, you know, what Hebrews marks as the great heroes of faith, you know, when Paul is talking about it, and then like, you know, he puts Abraham as one of well, the we greats. we think it's Paul. We don't know if it's Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that debate too. We could do another episode about that maybe. But in Hebrews, we see this great hero of the faith, Abraham. Now, with Abraham, he was given the covenantal promise that out of his descendants would become this great nation, right, to bless all the other nations. So ultimately, what happens with Abraham? Well, God calls him out of the land of Ur, this horrible, wicked city. What's key to remember, again, is God is the main actor. He's calling him out of the land of Ur. Abraham just didn't have this wonderful idea one day, oh, I'm going to get out of this city, I'm going to start this great nation. No, it was God that initiated it. Abraham was a coward. Abraham was disobedient. When God told him to get out of the land of Ur, he told him to take him and his wife and to leave. But he didn't follow what God said. He took his possessions. He took more of his family members. He's like, hey, let's go into this promise. But he did not fulfill what God told him to do. You know? And so then when he leaves the land of Ur, what happens but he has to get rid of his possessions. He has to get rid of his extended family members that were with him. And what then happens is that once he's fulfilled all those other things that God has told him to do in the first place, when he submitted to God's will and not his own will, when he submitted to God's control and he wasn't following his own control, then we see the blessings begin to take place in Abraham's life. Because it's this continual fighting against the curse. Because the curse is still in Abraham, but God's continually having to be faithful toward Abraham and consistent with him even when Abraham is faithless. Well, let's be be clear real quick. He doesn't have to be faithful to (laughs) No, you're right. He is faithful to Abraham. The only reason Abraham can even get out of the land of her, the reason why Abraham is able to have this covenant promise is because God is so faithful. And like... When I when I say that, like, you know, God has to continually be faithful is that that's the only reason Abraham can even have all these blessings given to him, you know, is because of God's faithfulness. Like, it's completely contingent on that. Yeah, I just want people to think, like, God has this, like, burden on him and, he, and he's yeah. like, oh, I have to be faithful this time. It's like, no, I am faithful, so I'm going to be faithful. Exa- Amen, brother. Um, so, you know, Abraham, we really, like, raise him up a lot of times. Like, oh, he's so great. But like you said, like, God said, come Come to this land I want to give to you, but bring your wife and, and nothing else, and you know, your children or whatever. He didn't have any children, my bad. Uh, and his wife and nothing else. And he says, All right, or, you know, um, 
Sarah packed the whole house. There's the family. <laughs> call grandma. Call nana. And let's go. God told me we're doing this. Yeah. Um, and that's just not like what something that we should like want to you know resemble in our life, our own life. Like if God tells us to, tells us to do something, we should do it. But this is a moment where we see Abraham and we just say, "Oh, I would do that too." Mm. Not like, "Oh, I would do that. Dif- I would do that differently, and I would be, you know be this great, mighty man of faith." Yeah. No, you, you would not. Exactly. And so, one other thing I want to hit on too is like, Lot and um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we're in Genesis, when Sodom and Gomorrah happens, you know, God uh, gets uh, Lot and his wife out, and then you know God says, "Do not turn back, or you'll be turned into a pillar of salt." Mm-hmm. His wife turns back; she, she is turned into a pillar of salt. How many times do we read that and we're like, and I've done this before. Oh, she is so dumb. <laughs> she was like, why would you look back? Just look forward. No, like we all still do that today. Mm. Like God redeems us, takes us out of our sin, out of our sin habits. And how many times do we turn back to it? How many times do we look back and go, oh, I want to do it again? Mm. Or, you know, it's fine to say like, oh, like, I, you know, I, I struggle with this. But to, to say, oh, I just want to do it one more time. You know, this is the last time I, pr- I promise. Or we even, like, God frees us from it, and we look back, and we're like, oh, I really want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't wait. You know, <laughs> It's just, push, like, pulling on you. Like, although those temptations and those desires are there, and they will happen because we are human and we're, and we're sinful, that's not something that, you know, we should do. Because we, we see, by Lot's wife, like, we should not turn back mm-hmm. to um, the, the destruction that we deserve, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, so if God w- weren't to, to take Lot's wife out, she would have been destroyed. If God doesn't take us out of our sin, we will be destroyed. Exactly. And because he takes us out, we shouldn't turn back to those things and want it. Um, or, you know, we turn to a pillar of salt. Like, we won't today, but essentially, like, we turn back to him and we, and we look. That's what I'm exactly. trying to get at. Um, so, like, don't look at his wife and say, oh, she's an idiot. Say, oh, I I'm need, an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot, and I need to stop looking back at my sin exactly. because God is greater, and God had freed me from the destruction of my sin. Exactly. Amen. Like, that's exactly the point, is that, again, we just we come into the text, we think the best of ourselves, and we're thinking, oh, well, I'm obviously a lot, and I'm running straight for it, but just like you said, we're the ones. Like, even today, you see it so many times in the church where we look back at our sin, and we're the ones that are guilty. So then we get this idea, like, from that from that story, we continue with the lineage of Abraham, right? And so there is Abraham, and then we got Jacob. You know, Jacob gets his name changed to Israel. Uh, then he continues the descendants all the way till we get to uh, Joseph. Joseph, you know, he comes into Egypt because of the unfaithfulness of his brothers. That's a whole other story. Oh, wait, real quick. How many times do we look at his brothers and say, oh, you're terrible? <laughs> exactly. No, we did that with Christ. Exactly. Like, Christ is, is Joseph. We're the brothers. Amen. Like, we look at the brothers and we're like, dude, they're evil. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Amen. And as Joseph is gracious and kind to them uh, later on in the story, um, that's how that's how Christ is with us. Even though we, you know, we're the ones, our sins end up on the cross, he's still gracious and loving towards us and doesn't give us what we deserve. Mm-hmm. As Joseph and his position could have gave his brothers what they deserved, but he didn't. He held back. Exactly. So I just want to hit on that real quick as you as you're going through. Oh, I think no, it's a no, great no. point. No, that is a really great I, point. I've read that that story so many times. And I'm just like, I would never do that to my brother or sister, or my mom or my dad. 
but you know, his <laughs> but, you, brother, but his brothers do it. Yeah, well, and like he was thrown into a pit, you yeah. know, and like you know, like all these different things. But you know, but yeah. So Joseph he gets into Egypt, and then from there, we see a Israel starting to be formed inside of Egypt. And of course, God didn't want them there; He wanted them out. So we see the Israelites; they're trapped inside of Egypt. A new pharaoh rise, rises up who didn't know Joseph. He starts persecuting the people. So the people of Israel cry out, please get us out, God. And God answers their request because he loves his people and he's faithful to his people. So he rose a leader up among them named Moses. Now Moses, he's obviously another great hero of the faith. Someone that you know, we look to and we see great attributes. But, but they're we, not his attributes. I mean, they are, but because of God. Exactly. And so Moses... He was an ultimate coward. Like when he was, you know, talking to God in the burning bush, when God tells him that his power is going to be with him, that I am has sent him to Pharaoh, like he's he's going to confront Pharaoh. It's not like Moses is like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm going to go face thing. Pharaoh. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's go knock him out. Let's go get these people out. Let my people go. You know, like the 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 cartoon, the Moses cartoon. It's like this epic, but. The first initial reaction that Moses had is like, I can't talk. Like, I'm scared. When the faithfulness of God is like literally right there, when the holiness of God, you know, he had to take off his shoes to even be in his holiness and his presence, is right there. Moses is still doubting. He's wanting to go again, hearkening back to the curse. He wants to go his own way. He wants to do his own thing. He thinks that what he knows is right and not what God said is right. So it's this idea of he is inherently bad, but because God commands him and says that I will be with you, I am has sent you to Pharaoh, that his faithfulness overshadows him. And that's ultimately why the Israelites are able to get out of Egypt. You know, That's what the crazy thing is too, though. But he gets, originally gets Aaron to go. And then Aaron, and then Moses sees Aaron go, and Moses is like, "Oh, okay, now I can do it." <laughs> exactly. Like I, you know, we we look at Moses in that, and we're like, "Dude, just go!" Like God's right in front of you. Like, why aren't you going? Kind of like how you were saying, I would have gone talk to Pharaoh. Like, if you knew, if like if you look at the history of like Pharaoh in that time and like what he did, mm-hmm. you wouldn't even go near mm. Egypt. Like Egypt was awful then. Anyways, continue. Yeah, and so. He went into the courtrooms of Pharaoh and, you know, he threw staff on the ground. Staff turned into snakes. Um, There was all kinds of crazy things that happened when Moses threw down that staff. And, you know, the the snakes happened and the miracles of God happened and the plagues. And, you know, the Israelites are seeing all these wonderful miracles take place before them. And, you know, Pharaoh's finally like, okay, I want this all to stop. I want these plagues against me to stop. So he's finally like, okay, you can get out. You can go. Let my people go. And then, after seeing all these miracles of God, they finally get out of Israel. And Egypt. Yeah, I mean Egypt. <laughs> Israel gets out of Egypt. And then once they get out of Egypt, they're they're grateful, right? And they're just they're just trusting God. They're just having this abundant faith in God and they're ready to just go into the desert into this promised land that was promised to their great forefather Abraham, right, Gabe? They're they're just ready to go. That's just not accurate. <laughs> the ending is just not it. Yeah. No, like they go in the, the wilderness and um God is sending them water and and manna and they're like, just let us go or no, before 
watering man. And actually, they're like, we should let us go back to Egypt. Like, it was better when we were in Egypt. Um, and God, because he's gracious to them and, and, and loves them, sends them, you know, food and water. But how many times does God, you know, again, going back to the body of Lot and his wife, take us out of our sin and we go, why can't you, why can't you just leave me there? Mm-hmm. Like, it was so much easier. Because the Christian life is hard. It's It's not easy. You know, God brings you into this idea of like, take it, take it like this. God brings us into this wilderness, and it, it's not easy. It's it's tough to live for for Christ, and you know, it'd be easier if we just lived in our sin. Like we don't have to fight temptation anymore. We can just sit in our sin. Mm-hmm. But I just I just look at that story, and sometimes I'm like, just be grateful. You know, you're still alive uh, to Israel, and then you know, I have to remind myself too, like that that's me. So, I mean, there's just so many things, especially with, like, Moses. Like, whenever Moses did get the courage to go um, speak to Pharaoh, he didn't muster it up himself. Mm-hmm. God said, God, you know, faithfully um, worked through him and gave Moses that that strength and, and faithfulness to go to Pharaoh. Exactly. And, you know, from God's faithfulness, you know, from him being faithful with Moses, from him being faithful with his people of Israel— what ultimately happens? Well, he establishes that covenant, even though Israel is sinful, just disrespecting God, literally built a golden calf and started worshiping that in the wilderness after seeing all these miracles done by God time and time again. Their reaction is to, you know, build these calves, you know, <laughs> this calf of gold and start worshiping it. What we see all of this take place, we see how evil the Israelites are. We realize that that's who we are as well. We see the greatness of God. But what's amazing, Gabe, is that God still chooses those people and works through those people. So much so to the point where a kingdom is formed, where they eventually get to the promised land, although he had to drag them kicking and screaming. They finally get to the promised land. And we see a kingdom being built. We finally see... One of the patriarchs. Real quick, before you get to that one. Oh. Let's go back real quick um, to, to what you were talking about. <laughs> like, God, freed me from my sin. I had, you know, um, I had the chains and the bondage of sin. And I'm, one, you know, uh, still sinning because um, that's, that's, that's who I am by nature. And I will not sin until, you know, Christ comes back. But um, I say to myself, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, uh, spend time, you know, playing video games. I don't play video games anymore, but you know, watching TV, playing video games on my computer instead of spending time with the Lord and, and prayer and, and and Bible reading, or you know, I want to go, I don't know, again, you know, uh, watch TV, play video games, play on my computer instead of going and fellowshipping with the with uh, the saints of you know, uh, and and fellowship with the church, mm-hmm. like you know, the saints of God. Like we don't want to go fellowship with people where they're sitting in our rooms and, and watch TV by ourselves exactly. because we. We don't see. Oh, sorry, that whole part was messed up. Sorry. Going back to the golden calf. That whole that whole idea you got there. Like Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, comes down, and we see them worshiping a golden calf. I say to myself every time I read that, idiots. Like just idiots. Period. Like that's all I think in my head is you know you're dumb. Then I remind myself, oh, that's me. That's who I am. God has freed me from sin and sin and death and the bondage of sin, and I still love things in this world more than Him sometimes. Mm. And I still, you know, end up worshiping like um, 
my TV, you know, watching TV more than I'm spending time with God, playing on my computer more time, more times than I'm spending time with God. And even in the sense of like, I'm trusting more in myself when it comes to like school and work and resting on my own strength than in mm. God's. And that's, and that's self idolatry. Exactly. We, we, we all have our golden calves that we like yeah. to turn around, don't we? Yeah. And as where Israel had one, I feel like I have multiple sometimes mm-hmm. all the time, actually. Exactly. Where we'll, we'll leave God and we'll pursue the silly things of this world, you know? And that, that's exactly what we see in that, in that narrative, in that story. So tell us about the patriarch that you're getting at. Yeah. So now we got King David, right? And you know, this, this, well, the primary story that Sunday school people, well, teachers. We love Sunday school theology. Yeah, we love Sunday school theology that Sunday school teachers love to talk about, you know, the story of David and Goliath. Story of wee little David, couldn't fit in Saul's armor. He had courage and he had faith in his God, which those are attributes that ought to be admired. But what happens is, is we take little David and the faith and courage he had in God. And sometimes we like to build up David, don't we? Like we like to look at David and say, oh, wow, he's great. You know, he... He went out and he got these stones and he collected them and he went over to face, you know, Goliath and, you know, this giant. And, you know, some Sunday school teachers will even say, you know, he that giant is, you know, our sin. And, you know, we go up to no, it's our, our problems. Sin, our, our problems. <laughs> it's not our sin. And, yeah, it's it our is. Sin. Yeah. We go up and we, we try to face our problems and. You know, we were gonna we're gonna face them, and we grab the stone and we swing it around, and we hit it smack dab in the head. And you know, at the end of the day, we exalt we're here exalting David and the faith and courage he had. But the truth is, <laughs> that is not the case in that story at all. That's not the key takeaway that God wants us to have when we look at that story. Yeah, I mean, I would say too, like we do this all all the time. Like worship, take this concept. We worship the creation instead of the creator. We worship the attributes that God gave David, and we worship David instead of God, mm-hmm. who gave him the attributes. Like we see, we see David with you know this faith and all this type of stuff, and we're like, "Wow, David, you're so great!" But really, if God were to step away and not give him those attributes, he he'd be terrible, mm-hmm. just like we are. Now God gives God gives us attributes too. Like my faith, I didn't, I didn't muster it up. It's not my strength. I didn't, I didn't muster it up. It's all of, all of God. And so we just need to get off this, like, mindset and reading the Bible of, like, raising and exalting these men. Although they are great, and we don't want to undermine their their ministries and their roles in the Bible because they are great. Like, David, better than I am. You know, we, we see that in, in Hebrews, the, the great, you know, men of faith, that we should uh, want to, um, you know, resemble in, in certain aspects. Um, but we should never exalt them ever because mm-hmm. it's all of God. Yes. And I think the greatest culmination that we see and I think the end point that Gabe and I are really trying to communicate is that we see this consistent cycle of failure, of faithlessness, of the continued curse throughout each and every single one of these men. But the only person that could fulfill what God was truly looking for from man, the only one that could completely crush the serpent's head was Jesus Christ. He was the fulfillment of every single failure. He is the one that should be exalted and lifted up and worshipped. And it's because he's the one that we exalt, and it's because he's the one that we worship. We look at these biblical characters, and we see them as they are. They're humans. 
They're humans that are following in faith after God. Now, are they the best at pursuing that faith? No. They still have the curse inside of them. They're still sinful. They still go on their own way. But even when they are faithless, God is faithful. And he's so faithful to where he looks at us in our complete and total depravity. He redeems that. He uses our total depravity for his glory. He literally takes that and he is faithful to his own promise and then gives us Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the promise that he made with Adam. And we see it carried out all the way throughout the gospel narrative until Jesus Christ ultimately died on the cross for our sins and then was raised on the third day and is now sitting on the right hand of God and is exalted and he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yeah, and real quick too, like, so we we talked about like how we shouldn't view these men, but how should we view these men? I just want to hit on this real quick. I think when we see Moses, we see his good attributes. We're like, wow, God, you know, worked through him, and and that's not me. That's you know an archetype of Christ. Like, like everything good in David we can look forward to in Christ. Every, everywhere he failed, we can look at Christ to see where Christ fulfills that. So like, like Christ is the great king of Israel. Um, Moses, right, led the Egyptians, Egyptians out of um, out of Egypt, the, the Israelites out of Egypt, my bad. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land as Christ leads us out of sin and death mm. into the promise of heaven. Mm-hmm. So like, that's how we should read them. We should look at these stories and say, okay, where where are we and where is Christ in these? You know, um, Now, we don't want to allegorize too much real quick. Just want to throw that out there. Don't like make everything an analogy to us and Christ because some things are just meant are just not meant to be allegorized. Yeah. Um, but like the ultimate purpose of Moses is to point to Jesus so we can see where Jesus fulfills it. Mm-hmm. The ultimate point of David is to see where he fills and points to Christ and see where he fulfills it. Amen. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much the summary of everything we're talking about, is this idea of looking to Christ, of looking to Jesus as the one who ultimately fulfills it. Not man. Our hope is not in man. And we shouldn't try to put men on this stage and applaud them for the things that they did, nor should we try to put ourselves in that character's shoes and say, oh, well, you know, the Israelites were stupid for worshiping this calf, or, oh, I have the faith of David— that isn't the point. The point is, is that God is the one who is the main character of those stories. He's the one that proves himself faithful when humans will always prove themselves faithless. So we see that when we read these characters, um, you know, in the in the Bible, and when we see how they act and we see how they operate, if there's something that's good in that narrative, then that's God working through them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we should exalt and praise is the goodness of God, not the goodness of man, because there's, there's nothing no, good in man. There's the no only s- good thing in man is God. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, just wrapping it up real quick, that's really the, the, the summary of what we're talking about. The next episode we will have a guest on, um, and so we'll leave all that to, to you guys as a surprise. Oh, um, you're really going to like this guest. Uh, the wait will not be as long ever again, you know, God willing. Um, <laughs> this, this semester has been just a total... Yeah, uh, just a lot of work. Yeah, and things we, like that. For we us. just finished up midterms, so we are, uh, you know, we're literally sitting outside of a Chick Fil A right now. I'm feeling a little sweaty in the car, <laughs> but we're we're cranking out this episode. 
Um, but yeah, we're so excited that you guys decided to listen to this podcast. We're grateful for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, for being part of the conversation. And may the Lord of peace continue to work in your lives and continue to bless you and to keep you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we would love feedback as well. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, and if you guys want any certain guests on here that we're able to get, let us know. But you know, may the Lord bless you guys and keep you. And we'll talk to you guys next time.